Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Telling you, bro. What's been happening, bro? Uh, not too much. Still hitting more peggy This is Shane Terrio. And you are listening to The Riff Rap. Hey everybody, welcome back to Riff Raff from a uh, sort of extended hiatus. It wasn't intentional. I did get a lot of emails uh, inquiring, when are we going to get another Riff Raff? Here you go. Sorry, I've been busy touring and uh, sometimes it's it's really hard to get these things done even when you're, you have downtime in hotels and things. Uh, so I'll try to be a little quicker in the forthcoming episodes putting them out and as always thanks for your support a couple things um you know if you're just tuning in today first time listener this i have like 30 some odd other episodes of riffraff everybody from a lot of great guitar players on there if you're a guitar player from john schofield to um, you know sonny landreth dweezil zappa mike stern and more great ones to come. I've also got, um, you know, some singers, Sammy Hagar, um, all kinds of people, Daryl Hall, John Oates, try to bring you the best of the best. And uh, we're not limited to vocals and guitars, some great drummers. Check it, there's a little something for everybody, that's my point. Also, um, I've been a little more active on my uh, YouTube channel, Shane Terrio's guitar channel. Check it out. Posting some things. Come on, give me some support. Like the page. Also, Instagram, Shane Terrio Guitar. And, um, you know, if you haven't already done so, all I ask for this is go to iTunes or one of those social media sites. Show me a little support. By the way, you're listening to a track called Four on the Floor from my record called Dirty Power. Jim Keltner on drums, Hutch Hutchison on bass, and all of my music is available on uh, iTunes, Amazon, or my website, shaneterio.com. Yes, I am doing some shameless self-promotion, and it's my show, so what the hey, somebody's got to do it. Anyway, enough of that. Let's get to today's guest. 
All right, my guest today is Mr. Phil Degree. Phil's a guitarist that, as you can hear, can sometimes seem to defy description. Um, I think maybe the closest anyone's ever come is to describing Phil's style is none other than Steve I himself, who said, quote, Phil's approach to the guitar sounds like John Coltrane met Mel Brooks at a party for Salvador Dali. There you go. Um, Phil is a highly creative, inventive musician. His use of uh, the Lenny Bro techniques of harmonics and seven string, he's taken to another level. He uses all these um, dense harmonies and beautiful chords. You'll hear um, his use of effects is really fresh too, in my opinion. I've been a fan of his for a while, and um, he's got a lot of other fans. Amongst them, uh, Charlie Hunter, um, Steve Vai, Mike Stern. All these people appeared on his record, Just Do It. Just Do It. And um, he's got four records I know of, Just Do It, Innuendo Out the Other, Hello Dolly, and the most recent one, Mask and You Shall Deceive recorded at Jay Griggs studio and outside of New Orleans and a little interesting side note Jay Graydon the great LA studio guitar player of Steely Dan fame and many many other things he mixed Mask and You Shall Deceive and he's a fan of Phil's too um, so we talk about all kinds of things you'll you'll get a sneak peek into a, a Lenny Bro lesson that Phil had recorded and you'll hear them one-on-one back in the early 80s and he'll discuss all kinds of things there's a lot of playing in this one you'll hear how he almost became one of the guitarists in Steely Dan I didn't know that story so check him out Mr. Phil Degree all right I'm walking up stairs to his apartment past the no Jehovah Witnesses sign and uh Phil's playing a little ditty and we get started. Hope you enjoy. Mr. Phil Degree here in the house. I'm in his house. This uh, plus pedal. Uh, Check this out, man. No, I've never seen that. Wow. But right. it's weird because you can like. 
you can set the decay. It, it's, it's like the freeze paddle, but a lot more sophisticated. Oh, yeah, it's really cool. And it's, and there's no, and it's like you can go halfway, like, half volume. I'm sitting in New Orleans with Phil Degree, the one and only, and I'm glad we could finally make this happen, man. Thanks for oh, having me over. My pleasure. So good yeah, to have you here. This is great. Beautiful view. Yeah. Of the park. And um, yeah, man, the sun's out. We just sat down. It was pouring down rain when I left my house, and now the sun's out. It's New Orleans, man. It was that cord. Cord did it. <laughs> <laughs> Three seasons in a week here. <laughs> the other thing I like to say to people who don't have a clue about this place, we have two speeds here in New Orleans. Stop and mildew. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get that and embrace it, you might have a chance. Well, I mean, you know, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, Phil. Wow. You're definitely, I would say, the most original guitar player to come out of New Orleans that I know of. Wow. I mean, I I challenge anybody to come up with anybody. Yeah, I'm talking originality, man. Thank your guitars you so and your approach and everything. For those of you that listen to the podcast, about four or five episodes ago, I did one with Emily Hughes, who is the the daughter of the late great Lenny Bro, and Phil. I'm sure you got many stories you study with Lenny. You were a friend, yeah. And I I sort of. I used part of your lesson that you had sent me a while back, and then I ran into you at Snug Harbor. I was like, man, I hope that was all right. And you're like, cool. And I said, by the way, I want to get you on the podcast. So here we are. Nice. So anyway, but you, you're a native New Orleanian. You've been here your whole life, right? This is correct. Who were some of your early influences? I mean, before you got into doing your own thing and before Lenny Bro and those cats. I mean, you know, the Beatles and, you know, I'm... I was forbidden to play my brother's guitar when I was in sixth grade, and he was in, I guess, 10th grade. So, obviously, I started playing his guitar. <laughs> then he found out, and he was cool about it. And I started getting more interested in it, and, uh, you know, loving the attention. Getting, I was in the eighth grade band, and I was in seventh grade, and, you know, playing animals, and. Rolling Stones. Then high school came along and uh, started getting more into different things. Eric Clapton and discovered Roy Buchanan. Mm. So after high school, I, I started uh, just playing a lot. And, and then I met somebody who was taking lessons with Hank Mackey. Right at the end of high school and right after, I, I really fell in love with Chet Atkins. It was like just blowing my mind what, what the hell is he doing technically he was like just yeah he was like a trickster like how is he doing that i couldn't hear it you know i was picking up the needle in the record moving it over you know it's like we did and i heard that hank knew how to play in that style so i got together with hank and that was just a world now, hank a Mackey, world opening i've never met him but i've heard all about him and he mm -hmm. he's he, he was a New Orleans guy, yeah. right? Or was he yeah. North Shore? No, no. He, he lives on the North Shore now, but he still teaches uh, twice a week at, oh, uh, still at Todd's Music still Express right. wow. on Monday and Wednesday, I believe. But he 
taught for so many years in Lakeview at Roger Filiberto's studio, and then it became World of Strings, you know. And that's right when Howard Roberts was coming, going around touring before he opened GIT. He was mm-hmm. going around doing these seminars, and I went to two of them. So Howard First, Roberts came here to New Orleans? Yeah, did, twice. Wow. And the second time was a three-day seminar. Wow. Yeah. And I got to eat lunch with Hank and Howard Roberts and Les Wise, so I was like just flying high with that shit. And then after Hank, well, and then Hank got in the chat, and then I just started listening to jazz stuff, and I was working at this record store. Just so many things were happening, you know, Joe Pass, and you know, I loved fingerstyle guitars, into Leo Kotke, and then I started listening to classical music and just opening up the ears, you know. And by the time I was 21, I was in Los Angeles and I was taking private lessons with Ronnie Eshte, mm. Hank's good mm-hmm. friend, who, you know, they went to Loyola together. And so Ronnie was badass, you know, in 1976, when I was 21. So then I, I talked to Hank and Hank says, uh, heard Lenny moved to Nashville and he's teaching there so I got my little camper truck and rode on to Nashville and met him there is that where that lesson was recorded that no time? that was the first time I met him uh I kind of hung out around there for about a week and uh unfortunately it was a dark period you know and he wasn't doing that well but I still learned a lot of incredible things from him like what would a what would a lesson with Lenny be like? Like how long would it would it always be different, or would it be sporadic sometimes, depending on his mood, or would you come with topics in mind, or would you? Just yeah, start? like how did you do this? Like the harmonic things, where I knew the technique, but I, what he what he was doing was foreign to me. It was like yeah, specifically like at the end of uh, one of the the tunes on. Uh, Live at Shelley's Manhole, one of the most incredible records that he, he did. He'd have this going, and and he, yeah. So now I got my seven string, so I got. And man, he'd say, "Man, just get this going, and let the other finger fly, man. Just you know, <laughs> do with these uh, stuff like that, you know." Or just show me the voicings, how he'd uh, get the. Do, why? Why would you do that chord, Lenny? And then just, it was pretty fascinating. Well, I learned that the other day. Are you that? Yeah, not that. It's, that. it's just uh. Well, it's like doing this. You know, right. it's using a flat on the bottom instead. Yeah, it's like a D7 with the, with the A flat on the bottom. Let me turn this thing on. And he'd, he'd show me some pretty unusual techniques, like with the right hand. Like one being, like to get a tremolo going, I, I sort of could do the the traditional tremolo, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, 
can't do it. Because mm -hmm. anyway, so Lenny showed me a technique where to go on from one string to another, like just getting this going. You do this. Are you just using your two? You're using how many fingers on your right hand are you using? I'm doing uh, everything but the pinky. And what I'm doing is like thumb. Yeah. So I'm going from th third string to second string. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing thumb, then third finger, second string, then index finger, third string, then second wow. finger. So. Oh, wow. But they get it going. And then that frees up your thumb to go. One of the many things he showed me. I've never seen anybody else do that. I mean, I I, I, I didn't know that the, technique either. And do mean, the bastardized, you know. Yeah, there. that's. Yeah, there. man. Wow. I, I mean, but I. That's just hack classical technique. Yeah. You know, but I never got it together, and I think the flamenco guys do it reversed or something, yeah. right? And well, that's the other thing. He studied the flamenco thing. For a couple of years, I mean, it was like strictly that, and so he's got this sabicus thing, mm. now, and he's doing it with a thumb pick. So it's just totally. And you've never used changing. a thumb pick, even though you. I tried when you know Hank said, "Well, if you really want to sound like Chet, you got to use a thumb pick," and I tried, and I, I just couldn't deal with it, and I just kept doing it with my yeah. thumb. And oh, that sounds great. And, and then I started doing chord arrangements, chord melody arrangements, you know. Fast forward four years later, I happened to be coming back from the Northeast, stopped in Nashville to see a friend. Lenny Bros in town. He wasn't living there, but he was visiting. And he was like playing that night. And it so happened that he had the seven string guitar hmm. with the high A. And I asked him for a lesson the next day and I went over to his hotel and we hung out and I played for him. And you can see that I did a lot of work since the four years that's transpired. So he goes, look, I got to bring this amp back to Chet. I want you to play for Chet. Wow. That was on my 25th birthday, man. Wow. I'll never forget that. So that was quite a, a day. On the other side of the story is uh, Lenny was married at the time to... 
this wife who really didn't, who was pretty much control freak. So I went off with Lenny, and before we went to see Chet, we pulled over to the liquor store, and Lenny got like a bottle of peach brandy or something. But so by the time a few hours later, when I bring him back to the hotel, his wife was not pleased, mm. and we know what happened a few years later. Mm. But that's 1980. 83, he came to visit me. Well, wait, I just want to. I'm at, sorry to interrupt, but you got to talk about Chet. So you, you, you just oh, tell us God. what happened. And, that and, day. Yeah, and while I'm there, and we're hanging out for like, a, like an hour or two, and Lenny and Chet are playing, and you know, and, and Les Paul calls at the same oh time. God. So you see, yeah, it was, like it, was it was just like I am. Everything's colliding. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just a trip. So and you played was, for Chet? Yeah, and I had my little three thirty, you know, and I was wow. But uh, you remember what you played for him? I think I played some variations on Freight Train and maybe yeah. some, uh, I forget what else, maybe My Foolish Heart or something. Or My Romance, I, I don't know. Yeah. But I was nervous as can be. Oh, but, I'm sure, yeah. But uh, it worked out. And... So then I get the harp guitar built three years later. And I send a picture to a guitar player, care of Lenny Bro, and he got it, mm. you know? And he calls me and he goes, man, I'm, I wanna, I'm coming to New Orleans. I'm going to sell a guitar to somebody who lives around here in Denver Springs or whatever. So he came over and uh, I put him up for over a week, you know? And again, it was dark and really frictitious with, with the wife who was like, and this is in 83, and there was not even caller ID yet. <laughs> you know, caller ID is the best invention since uh, the loss of privacy, man. <laughs> but anyway, so I know I had to disconnect the phone from the wall because of her relentlessness. So on and on. He did a concert here that I put together. It went really well. Where was it at? I, uh, a friend of mine had knew somebody who had an office space on Esplanade and Charters. Mm -hmm. And we just cleared out the room and rented like 40 chairs or so. And uh, it went pretty well. Wow. Yeah. And he played the... His, his seven string, you know. And what he did, the genius of it all, it was an Aria made in Japan. It was not a very expensive guitar. It was about $800 or so at the mm -hmm. time, which, you know, would probably be two or three grand now. But he took 
the bass string off that it came with, and he put fishing line for the high A because there was no other. Nobody had anything that high. That right, and he made it work. So he's getting all these Bill Evans voices, and he's getting a melody, you know, and just transferring all the stuff that he was doing on six string because he was so much into Bill Evans and learning all these Bill Evans tunes, plus all the other stuff he knew, and uh, adapting to the seven string. And he was really doing some new stuff. Wow. And that's when I decided, well, I'm going to get a seven string, just like him. Came back home after that 1980 trip and uh, ordered one. Hank got it, got it for cost. And I loved it. I really put a lot of, a year, more than a year. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to stick with the seven string idea, but I have to get a, a, a seven string build for me. I want an electric guitar, solid body. I want a sustain, you know. I wanted to sound like Lenny did on his records with that sustain. But anyway, kept thinking about extra strings, and, and then that was the first harp guitar by Jimmy Foster. It was wow. just a monstrosity, though. I had to put a pad on my leg. It was so heavy. We had no clue. You know, you you do things and you don't... Sure, yeah, you you're don't trying to work at, out the kinks while you're building it. And yeah, and you don't know the problems that that's involved. Like the... I didn't have a short enough scale length string for the high A, so I kept popping the string. It was sort of a nightmare, but I kept at it, and, and the sound sucked. I didn't have the right pickup. Seymour Duncan, uh, I had to wait a few years for that pickup. It was just... Wow, that's it. Anytime you get, when, anytime you get custom things, yeah. you know, it's, they, <laughs> there's a price to pay. After you study with Lenny, I mean, did you ever play in, how can I phrase this, like a regular top 40 band, like regular conventional yeah. guitar, or early on did you make the decision? I did some wedding gigs around here. I mean, I'm not talking like, you know, people hire you for your own thing, you know, yeah. because I know you as your, like I said, original, you, you just do yeah. your thing, but did you, back in, before you got into, you know, your own custom guitars and your own style and your own voice were you were you a working cat like playing conventional guitar not, parts not as much as the other cats like Scott Gudo and Steve you know they they had a lot of gigs like that mm -hmm. and could play with anybody and they could read which I really couldn't I could read charts you know and then all of a sudden out of the blue I get a call from uh after the first record came out in 95, Innuendo Out the Other, mm -hmm. 
I guess Donald Fagan or Walter Becker, they heard it. Wow, I didn't and, know that. And they, you know, they're calling me, and I'm thinking, well, maybe they want me to do a little opening solo trip. And I had no clue how to play this stuff, man. I mean, that's some serious reading, it's intricate music. You know, it's a whole different style, and I was still... I couldn't even deal with a six string at the moment. So they called you for the Stilly Dan gig. Yeah. Wow. And and, and I kind of just told them the truth, like, yeah, I can read charts, but I'm not a good reader. And I kind of, it was, <laughs> wow, I knew that really it wasn't going to happen. I, wa I knew that I wasn't a guy. I mean, there's so many other guys that could have done that so much better. I don't know why, what they were thinking. <laughs> that was probably at the time that Wayne Krantz stepped in. You know, but that's maybe really... I think I was a little later because this we're talking like 95 okay. or 90, 96 or something like that. Yeah, well, that would have been John Harrington. Then. But, um... Yeah, I met John. He's a wonderful mm. guy. Great yeah, player. he's a great guy. Yeah. He's been on he's been on here, too. This my podcast. Nice. Um, well, man, that's that is like even more interesting to me. The fact that you just. You've done your own thing. You know, and I've it, always been and, interested. And then in the rumors are, I turned them down. Oh, that, <laughs> you know, that's even like, better. <laughs> it's so stupid, man. It's like, I really would love to do it, but I knew, I knew, yeah. just knew. Yeah. You know, besides the, like, that little voice of, you know, fear of failure and all that, you know, they, that's I'm some sure serious shit. It. it would have been, it would have well, been a unique I, I thing. I probably would have more of a chance now because I started playing six string again and feeling more comfortable because I was exclusively into the seven string and I'd get confused on the six string. Plus, I didn't have a sound. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have pedals and I didn't. Well, I would think a lot of that gig, I mean, I've known a few of the guitar players on that gig. I would think a lot of it is, you know, somebody like Jay Graydon played the classic, was it Peg? Yeah, Peg. I mean, you don't, it's, it's, they're still, it's sacred. Like, you, you don't go on the gig and not play those parts. You right. know what I mean? And You're expected to nail the, you know, even the fans know those solo. Right. Well, Krantz didn't do it. He he basically just played whatever. It's but, such a body of work, too. I mean, yeah. there's so many. It's, so I, I would think that would be kind of a requirement, maybe. I don't know, maybe. I, I respect that about uh -huh. Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. They always liked really good players. Yeah. You know, and they always pulled from kind of unusual. Well, you know the story about Peg. I mean, that, I think... Jay was like the seventh guitarist. I've heard about it. <laughs> it was, and he did it one and, take. And, right? and, and Walter said, or maybe it was Donald who said, just think of it as a, a blues, 13-bar <laughs> blues or something like that. And he got it. 13-bar blues. It, it's, it's classic. <laughs>
incarnations are you into now with the guitars? It's what, which one is this, that? It's, this one's the fourth harp guitar. The, the one right before this is about three years old. The one before this is uh, Ralph Novak, hmm. who really set me free because of the fan fret idea. And it works so well. And it just feels so right. So if I get it like on a straight fret of guitar, it's kind of strange. It's just, and you can get it fanned like Charlie Hunter has it wildly fanned, like a peacock. And uh, I have kind of a normal thing where it's the, the actual perpendicular fret is on the 12th fret. I see, yeah. And so... Uh, it just helps with uh, fingering and intonation too? or The intonation, each string has its own intonation. I think if Pythagoras was building guitars today, he would do a fan fret. In this guitar, it just lends itself to that. Yeah, that's really... You know? I mean, the weird chord, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I love the clusters said, too, you know, where you hold one, like you, you get the, or what, what is it like the, you can, you, you should show me, I don't know, but the cluster. Yeah. Uh, one's just, up I'm, I'm doing all, all five fingers, so I'm holding, I'm doing the harmonic on top, on the bottom, on this, this is a six string, it's actually a B flat minor. So I've got So Lenny hit me to some incredible stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. And then I just keep experimenting with different things, you know. Uh, just just wow. keep, you know, just Shifting as an off. exercise, just to keep it going, you know. And sometimes I incorporate it in an arrangement or derangement I've or whatever. I've seen some, some, some of your derangers. The one... Um, one night at Snug Harbor, I watched you do the Twilight Zone one, which was amazing. Oh, was it a song? It was a song for uh, wow. blues for Rod Serling. Yes, and it's a weird time. Uh, I don't even know what. I, what it's time. been a while since like, later. <laughs> supposed to be fast, then. <laughs> there was another one that I saw on YouTube. It's uh, you're at a. I don't know if it was a it was somebody's party or something. It's a, I think it's Beatles. You do some amazing medleys. Of, I mean, I don't know how do you, how long does it take you to put like a Beatles one of your the Beatles medleys medley? evolve. You know, I, and recently I put a probably twelve minute Beatle medley together, wow. and it's like, well, well, am I going to start with this one and leave that one out? So, but uh, yeah, I've been into that. I'm into a lot of medleys. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh -huh. I just. What's the latest one you're working on? Uh, probably that. You know. Hey, do you write all this stuff down, or make notes, or record it, or you just just retain I'm, it? I'm really. Yeah. I almost said the word inbred, but. Because uh, all. I just. I I write down. 
when I'm, you know, the Parts names of the tunes, yeah. you know, and how long they are. Let's see, you know, trying to get. But uh, at one point, I had like twenty of them, but some of them are like twenty seconds, you know. So uh, it's weird. It's uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, like I'll come out of here comes the sun. <laughs> So that that's worked out in the last year or so. I like that one. I do the Wizard of Oz medley forever. That's the one. That's the one <laughs> I saw. It's amazing. this out in the right at the right moment and the right time and everything play the changes and I was like yeah and I start playing them you know whatever like, yeah, yeah. real fast and he's going tell me when I hit a wrong note and he starts going <laughs> and it worked over the whole thing I could just break out <laughs> yeah you just keep going you just keep going or like one of these things I'll tell you my one thing that aggravated me though is is uh, I don't like it when people take Charlie Parker solos and scat over them and write lyrics or Manhattan right. Transfer where they're like oh those giants yeah. oh you know what there is there is one record that I kind of dig that and it's Roshan Roland Kirk uh -huh. the return of the 2,000 pound man or something like that and he does both giant steps and there'll never be another you with these singers and it sounds like you know singers that do radio jingles like WTIF very oh, yeah. on money just life went real like Jordan Air or something <laughs> was like playing and then you know, Kirk takes it out and it's fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, he starts playing, it's instantly out. It's incredible. Two horns. Nose I remember feet. riding around with Lenny listening to that in my cassette player in my truck. That wow. When I'm hanging around with him, he said, wow, man. He was blown away. Just do it. It's uh, you have Charlie Hunter and uh, mm -hmm. Mike Stern and uh, Reeves Gabriel's. Uh -huh. I forget all the, the other people. It's a great record, man. Um, Thank you very much. You have had that for a long time. It took a while. Well, that's what I want to ask you. When you made that record, did you record like, for instance, Mike's parts? Did you send him the track or did no, you cut we, it live? No, we sat in the studio for hours, man. So you went up to and New he, York and did and it. we just he he's so focusing all he needs is coffee yeah. <laughs> and you know yeah I was in New York in uh at this little studio uh, owned by Dave Lawrence and uh real great engineer wonderful player and uh that's where I recorded with Larry Coriel too that was probably the first uh guy that I got together with this duet thing. Then here I got together with Hank and Steve Mazikowski and uh, it was a trip. So it took maybe six or seven years just to, to get, get everything you know, because it started in the late 90s and by the time it finally came out and it's just everything, you know, just editing. Another guy that really made it a trip is Dave Tronzo, who oh, yeah, plays player, yeah. exclusively a slide player. And when you say slide player, you're thinking yeah, no, not, blues, not roots, the rock. You know, no, this, you know, body and soul, no problem. You know, yeah. <laughs> really an amazing player. So that was an all day, and that was a lot of editing because we had so, so many interesting things going on. And it was just a matter of extraction and editing. And then we'd put it in between the tunes, like we'd put 20 seconds or 40 seconds in between of this insanity that we were doing and calling it something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And I like I like the one with Larry. That, that was felt really good. We were doing harmonics together. It was Lenny's from Heaven.
Sorry, man, no reverb for you. That's all right. I don't know what to play, man. Uh, get a little more volume. What about like a standard or something? Yeah, you can call one out and see if I know it. You know, um, I don't know the head, I don't think, but... Uh, 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 There is no greater love. You know yeah. that? You want to do that? Yeah. But wait. Thank you. 
Just let you take it, man. The ending was um, that chord. Wow, what was that chord? I was, you know, it's sort of like I call it the bipolar chord. Yeah, you know, that's, <laughs> wow, that's it. Just may look a little weird on mm. seventh string here, but but then see, I have I got the third up here. So, oh, right. So if that's a root or that's a root, so it's an, a B altered, you know. Third on top, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's dense. The cool thing about this chord also, it, it can be E altered, right? So then if you do a harmonic, I got the open B string, the B harmonic. So it's, it's a whole rather than That's all I have. I mean, I, I can I do little things like that. Or, That's amazing. 
heard Jet do that stuff I thought he was doing I didn't know the technique so I'm like trying to each one was a harmonic right. and then Hank ex, explained how it's a natural note and a harmonic and, and a it natural gives you that, that yeah. step yeah the jagged thing. yeah and then Lenny with all the embellishments you know like and Ted you know but uh you know with the uh Steel with the bar shift. Yeah, it's just seamless. I love pedal steel. Here's another thing that's been going on. Thanks to Krantz and Clemens. Hey, he's another uh, great player. Well, yeah, an incredible guy. player. But he turned me on to the whammy pedal, and I said, "Okay, I've heard of this." And then after I had it for a while, I said, "Let me see what the harp strings sound like through it." So now I can, you know, it's like. So that that's the first harp string. So check it out. So I have it set to a fifth. <laughs> so it is like a upper register pedal steel. Yeah. And then I can just get subtle things, you know, because before it was just set. I I couldn't do, you know, it was just. out there man now then I have, have this, two, this whammy yeah, you have two whammy pedals that's yeah. what I was going to ask you and then this whammy I use for different things so right now I have it set so if I, I do this chord open strings I have it set to a fifth so when I press the button it plays this chord plus that chord which to me is the most shimmering thing in the world doing chords like this yeah you know if you're doing altered chords it's not going to work but it's, it's it's that fifth but just to get that check out this ending if you would it's uh it's an ending for uh on a sunny afternoon for the kinks yeah
I mean, it's like a, you know, the sunlight on the on the water on the ocean, mm-hmm. just shimmering. I don't know. It's like very. Uh, Even Tide had a patch that was similar, a long time ago. But you're doing it with just your hands and a whammy pedal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like double a, whammy. It's like uh, <laughs> yeah, just some kind of majestic kingdom uh, fits. Yeah. <laughs> I see your your photo right there of Lenny, and I gotta ask, was yeah. that one of his thumb picks? That is. Yeah, I figured so. That's it with a. And that's Hank and Ted Green behind him. Wow. Yeah. You know. Ted Green, man. There was another guy who. And the, Lenny and Ted, you know, they got together, and they recorded it. It was like a whole day. In a studio or no? Just, just it, it. It probably. I'm not sure where in L.A. I don't know if it was at Ted's house, but there was, there's a, a woman in the background who kind of talks and, and makes comments. and it's kind of, I think it was Lenny's girlfriend at the time. Mm. This is, we're talking like 78. And we're talking eight hours. They just sat down there and played. And, and I, I think Scott Page was, you know Scott mm, Page? No. Except his name, Seals and Cross guitarist. Okay. Anyway, he was. Was he? He was friends with. Yeah. Ted or one of the guys. Yeah, and uh, so it was just like four of them sitting around, and Lenny and Ted, and they're both blowing each other's mind. Ted would play for Lenny, and Lenny would just, and you know, because Ted's got all this classical thing going, then Lenny would play his Bill Evans thing or whatever, and. They would just talk. It was pretty incredible. I'm gonna, I'll get you some copies because it's eight CDs. Oh, so you have them? Yeah, yeah. And you can hear the woman making comments and stuff. Yeah. It, it needs some fierce editing, editing, but you know. Wow, that's I'm sweet. sure Jay Graydon, Jay Graydon can probably take it out with, <laughs> take out the voice with all his tricks because he's he's amazing. He really polished my record up. Well, Jay Graydon was involved with your record? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Which, which record? Because I want to talk about your records. Too. Yeah, it's uh, the latest one was uh, just just a few months ago. Uh, oh, the, October. the recent one. Yeah, Mask and You Shall Deceive. Well, yeah, I and, saw the cover. Yeah, it's and, a very Beefheart-ish uh, cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. And uh, Jay volunteered to help out doing this because as far as the... The mixing, he did some serious mixing. I mean, he would get out, you you know, just, he's so meticulous. And he's worked with so many people and he's got incredible gear and ears. So, I mean, he really brought it to life. Where did you record it? I recorded it at Jay Griggs' house um, in Ponchatoula. He's got a nice little studio there. and, And him and... Jay Graydon, I get the J's confused. Jay Griggs and Jay Graydon. I didn't know Jay Griggs knew Jay Graydon. Wow, that's yeah, well, a small world. He didn't until oh, until you got involved. <laughs> yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, and 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 first Jay started saying, well, if you do this and that, you know, you should. Well, if you want me to, I'll be, you know, no charge. It's just real labor of love. Baby. Well, you have a lot of fans, you know. A lot of guitar fans. How did Steve Vai hear about you? Like, you know, all the people that... Um... I met him through Matt Resnikoff, who's um, he was writer. a writer and, and, uh, for different magazines. And I remember meeting him uh, at the House of Blues when Steve was playing uh, 
his gig. It wasn't a Dweezil gig. And uh, that was that. And in fact, Steve Lukather was either playing the next night there, and he was there, and we were chugging. He's a, um, a, a madman. Yeah. Well, I don't know about now, but man, it was quite a night. So I'm, that's where I met those two Steves. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. <laughs> explain to some people who, who don't know about this place who've never been here it's like we have we have an 11th commandment here or maybe the first commandment thou shall not commit adulthood because <laughs> <laughs> nobody this is like this it's just party uh, it's and a it's lot got of that vibe sure. going but yeah. so and then the dark side of that so it's a it's a wild carnival where it's tragedy and comedy all mixed up. That's that's you know. very uh, very eloquently stated. Yep. Have you ever thought about it, it? I mean, you've been here your whole life. Have you ever lived anywhere else or thought about going anywhere else at any point in your life? Not really. I lived in California for a few months, and uh, specifically Big Sur, which is... I. That was a really incredible time. I met some incredible people in there. I'm still in touch with them. And uh, I go off to New York and, uh, and in L.A. Sid Jacobs is a good buddy of mine. Uh, and uh, always inspired by what, what he's doing. He's an amazing player, amazing teacher. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's, it's hard to get away from this yeah, it's, this crazy place. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what it is. I've managed to slip away for a while, but it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great that you can do that, that you have New yeah, York. Unfortunately, here. it's, uh, yeah. Anders Osborne told me something one time. He said, the river, the, the crescent, the way it pulls you, and it's got some energy, and I don't mm -hmm. know, it's a little met metaphysical for me, but I believe, I, you know, I kind of believe that because of the, mm -hmm. where the crescent it's like it creates this vortex or this magnet and well we were, um, I think Bienville warned not to settle here for different reasons first yeah. of all we're underground right you know and I think there's a theory why it's the funkiest city in the world because it's underground the, the humidity nobody can tune up right nobody's tuning up in this town man and uh in the whole voodoo thing the chemicals chemical abuse the and i'm talking about exxon chemicals or whatever mm -hmm. just it's it's a funk man yeah it's funky and uh people come here to break the law you know corporations and such you know there was uh, something I read recently where they were talking, somebody was talking about the way notes affect the human ear uh, depending on the humidity levels. You know, the way mm -hmm. a note could travel or, or uh, the resonance of a frequency and things like that. So down here, it must be 
Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a beautiful day outside right now, but it's probably 60% humidity outside, you know. Hey, Google, what's the humidity? The humidity in New Orleans right now is 74%. <clears throat> there you go. It was like 87 earlier today. <laughs> but one thing in New York, man, I had to buy humidifiers for my guitars because I have a lot of nice guitars up yeah. there. And I'm thinking, wait, I have to buy a machine to produce humidity so, right. so far. It's such a crazy concept. You know, you never have to worry about like old Martins or Gibsons right. here. It's fine. Try living in the West. Yeah. Ooh. It's the opposite effect. It starts cracking because of other reasons. Yeah. Here it just expands. and It's like Johnny Vidakovich said, you need gills to live here. That's <laughs> so like so. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Somebody, Cranston, uh, turn me on to Jeff Beck playing along with a real bird. He calls it Blackbird, but it's not the Beatles tune. It's, and it's the bird singing, and then here's Jeff wow, answering. Really? Yeah. It's, I've never heard of that. And uh, I've recorded uh, songbirds in the middle of the night back when, and one of the great moments in my life, I'm like, this this bird is incredible. He's just not repeating himself, doing incredible, just like, it's like one o'clock in the morning in old Metairie, everything's quiet, mm -hmm. recording for a few minutes. It's amazing. Then all of a sudden the train horn from about a mile away sounds and the bird stops. Uh, so I wait a few minutes and nothing. And then... I said, let me see what I got. So I rewind and I start playing it back. He starts mocking himself. Wow. Yeah. I thought That's this is like a National Geographic moment. I just don't have a second recorder to get the... But it was mind-blowing. Yeah. So I love birds, especially the songbirds. Yeah. It's like, it, it's so humbling. It's like, what are we doing even trying to... <laughs> this is it, man. This yeah. is, how do you top this? Right. Yeah. So... But we try. Phil's got these beautiful wind chimes in here, and that's like sounds like the, the, the yeah. G flat six. Yeah, man. You know, Charles Neville told me this story. Maybe you know, this was before your time, I'm sure. But he said when Johnny Smith is that Moonlight in Vermont. Yeah. That right? Yeah, man. <laughs> and and uh, he said that when that's a C six, like a spread thing where you put your first finger. Yeah. Charles Neville said that every guitar player that he knew in New Orleans would hear that recording and go, oh, that's two guitar players playing that. Yeah. There's no way you could play that voicing. And yeah. when he played in New Orleans, people's minds were blown. He was, he was like the, the 1950s or 60s Alan Holsworth. Right. Because you know, nobody could do that voicing. It's just pretty simple. But. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Mr. Sandman. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. What about playing Moonlight in Vermont? I've never played it in my life, but what are the chords? If you tell me the chords, I can. Uh, is it? It's C six Yeah, it's, it's one one sixty five. Subdominant minor. Da, da, da. Uh. Yeah, then two five. Da, da, da. 
and does it uh, second A, then uh, and then the bridge is just two five to E.
reminds me of the thing I saw on YouTube. Somebody posted Jimmy Weibel stuff. Oh, and he's playing Jimmy at a Weibel. restaurant. Yeah, and like nobody uh, gave I, a I know shit. what you're talking about. Sid Jacobs is one of his, uh, one was one of his best friends, and Sid does in, uh, some incredible Jimmy Weibel stuff. I used to know a couple of his pieces, the really out there things, like the two fives. Like one of the things was. Nice. And I used to play these guys. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit, man. That's a minor 2-5. Jimmy Wagle, that's all. Wow. That. But it's like... Oh, it almost sounds like you're doing harmonics. The way it's, the Contra voices are. <laughs> or that, uh, that Joe DiOrio stuff, you know, like... Um, yeah, yeah. I learned wow. the other day, like, he does this thing where it's... But then I changed it to where it would work over, like... Nice. So it's a little more... Yeah. I like that, the same, that double note. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, that reminded me of this, uh... Not just an exercise, just not caring, but just to have that. And it gets harder. So if you start on the on high E. Yeah. 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 Sounds like Lenny. Yeah, it is like a, a fake. Um, I don't know. I'd learn like the Chet things. Like wow, you know the, the scale. Yeah, well, you know I've stuff. been uh, doing some abstract shit like that with. Uh... Sorry. I love patterns, and I got into the that sonic shape thing that Howard was passing around when he was touring doing the seminars before what was GIT. That, uh, sonic shape. Like uh you know stuff like or that would be the you know that kind of stuff. And then I started just doing like finger style. Like uh just doing this and going up a flat fifth and doing the same thing. But traversing across the next I'm doing Just 
Wow. I don't know what that is. Jeez. It sounds good if you get some delay and stuff on it. I sort of do something like, uh, if you're like on this, where I'm just doing hammer-ons and then... strings. It's fucking sharp. Yeah, man. I love that. Sick. Man.
<laughs> nice. If you're listening to this driving, you might want to pull over. You might get uh, the, the swirliness, the dissonance. Just, man. Don't listen to this while driving. <laughs> That's great. Big hard drowsiness. What the hell was that? It was really good. No. Yeah, man, now I want to practice. Holy <laughs> shit. Well, me too, man. Man. Well, we should play some time where I don't have this thing on. I'd I'm love like, I'll to. I'll come your way, man. Yeah, come over. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Yeah. Such, such a, a pleasure, man. Such a blast. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Shane. Now I need to go home and practice all that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't stop practicing. No. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks. again, man. Thank you.